0: Welcome to the sober nation FM podcast where we're putting recovery on the map. I'm your host, Jonathan Sylvester. This show is brought to you by sobriety engine. Do you want to take your recovery to the next level? Do you want more support community and fellowship sobriety engine is an incredible community of men and women supporting each other in their recovery, you can get a ton of great tips, resources and guidance to help you succeed in recovery and in life. Visit sobrietyengine.com to join today. Sober Nation FM is also brought to you by Recover Health. If you're ready to get fit and start living a healthier lifestyle all while supporting your sobriety, then you can learn more about having me as your own personal fitness and nutrition coach at rcvrhealth.com. And whether you're listening to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or watching on YouTube, please share this with your friends, follow, subscribe, and leave a review. Nation, let's hop right into today's episode. Today, I'll be speaking with the star of Here Comes Honey Boo Boo and Mama June from Not to Hot, June Shannon. Thanks for coming on the show, June.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Really, really excited to speak with you and hear more about this new chapter in your life. Now, like myself, I'm sure that many of our listeners have seen and heard plenty of things being reported in the media in regards to your drug use over the years, you know, just some of the drama going on, right? But I'd really like to hear from you directly and kind of set all that aside and hear what was going on and how you ended up getting sober. So if we could just rewind, like, can you tell me where your addiction started or where you feel like it started?
1: Um, like I said, I mean, I don't, I don't like to talk about all the hoopla of the media or whatever, sure. um, and our story never, um, because that's not me. That's not my, who I am inside. So anyway, what started is, um, I was always around drugs growing up. My sister and my brother-in-law sold drugs and my sister was, my sister's eight years older than I am. She's still today addicted to pills. Um, even after a tragic accident a few years ago, so pills have never been my thing. So I went on with that life and um, was around him for many, many years. Um, 2000, two, wait a minute. Yeah, 2000. Um, I went and started getting my GD. I met a guy, just started being friends with him. The very first show that I ever done was math. Oh my God, I loved it. I was working three jobs. I was able to make more money. I was able to do more. I was able to stay up longer because honestly, when I was working three jobs, I was working from 4 a.m. to midnight. So I only needed a few hours sleep. Well, that went on for quite a while. And those days of staying up 17 days, 14 days, 30 days when you're like the good red rock days, you know, the old. So anyway, so I did that for a while and uh, I moved away in 2004 and kind of got myself clean off of that went cold turkey off it no rehab no nothing okay um then i rewind i mean fast forward um to my life was great then i was living in south georgia everything that went on um you know we got our show this that the other um and then i moved back to my hometown which was hampton back in 2014 and 2014 picked up like i say people play i truly believe this nowadays people placing things is, is mm-hmm. a true thing yeah um so i moved back to my hometown got hooked up with the same people guess what i started doing started doing math again that shit was shitty this time but hey it was like whatever it was my only joy that i've that i've really ever done at that point and then i'm my boyfriend in the end of 2015 he's like look baby if you want to get to know me you gotta quit all that. I gave away actually fifty six grams of of of, uh, of meth uh, that morning. The next morning, and didn't think twice about it. I went cold turkey. Then, well, about a year or so later, um, life happens. Um, Start up on the before that. Back up a little bit. I come sure. all over the place. Sorry. No, um, right. So anyway, so back up. I mean, like, I mean, I would do like like X, um, and I would do like the cocaine you know saying on the road you know what i'm saying just yeah. a weekend thing so i would go back home and live my regular life
0: and sure
1: not say it yeah so then like a year like, a, like i'd say like like late 2016 um life again just was like whatever um you go back to what you do i have a very addictive personality started doing like cocaine it started off as like a half a a gram, gram, Mm -hmm. you know, and started going up, ended up being, um, and it didn't make me think about things. I knew I could make more money. I knew I could be in demand of our production team. I knew that I could be, I could be that person that everybody knew. And what was so crazy is my kids knew what was going on because that was one thing that, my kids some of my kids are older because i have a 26 year old right so when they would go out and drink with their friends or go to their friends houses i always knew when they would drink or they would do something and that was the same thing with me like if i done a, even, even a pain medication that was described to me i would always tell my kids what was in our body so right, in case right. god forbid something happened mm-hmm. so for me my kids didn't know and they didn't know to do the extent but they knew what was going on okay okay
0: um
1: so anyway so you know i would my kids started finding like i don't i don't shoot up i never have i hate fucking needles so they would find like my boyfriend's like cats in the thing they would find like certain poop mm.
0: and
1: my daughter was pregnant at that time pumpkin my 20 year old now yeah she was pregnant she was 17 pregnant she's like mama y'all got to like chill this shit out. I'm right. pregnant. I don't want to bring tink into this situation. It's cool what it does. We grew up around it. So it wasn't like a big issue. Similar to myself and my mind. So I kind of like just kind of like hit it if that makes sense. Well, up until we got busted in 2019, March of 2019, we got busted in Alabama mm-hmm. because me and Gina was fighting on that my boyfriend and me were fighting. So cops got called to a to a, um, to a convenience store, locked us up, whatever, got drug charges. They found a needle on his. Well, in that position, he screamed and said, hey, she's got drugs on her. I had a pipe. And like any drug people do, <laughs> we had just cooked up cocaine. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had probably like a 7 to a 14 on us. And I just dumped it into my floorboard. So, I thought that that would not have the dog.
0: Yeah, that's going it's the dog disappeared, not dog. right? It doesn't exist so anyway,
1: anymore. They didn't bring the dogs out there. It was kind of weird. So, when yeah. we, so that really was my wake up call then, honestly. um, Because when we got a car back, shit, my dope was still in my car. You know what, mm-hmm. what I'm saying? It was all in the pool court. Yeah. So, we stayed in Alabama for three months because I was considered a flight risk. So, I had to stay there. So, we finally just said, fuck it. We went home to Georgia. Um, went home to Georgia with no money because I'd raised really my money on dope. I just put my money at the casinos, hmm. whatever. So, I went home, I sold my house, sold all the contents in it for a hundred thousand. Said, okay, I'm gonna do better in my life. We're gonna do whatever. Because at that time, I was up to two to three ounces of cocaine a day. Wow. We was cooking it.
0: Wow. At that
1: point, I was smoking it. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: and we would, we ended up staying in a hotel. We stayed in a hotel. Waited till the money run out again had all these mm-hmm. dreams Oh, we're gonna do this we were going to change we were gonna do get all that and we could at that point it has became a maintenance if that makes sense
0: sure yeah um no i, so I we get it it's like paper, yeah uh, it's like you're not even enjoying it anymore really. exactly, It's like a survival exactly. thing
1: yeah so, so i would have like a three five sitting on my on the dresser the next morning so i could be able to even get up Mm -hmm. so at that point it just we could do it less and less and less because i had less money right so i didn't have any other choice but that at that point it was just like okay i was cool we would get clean for like four days five days six days a week because it was kind of a stupid thing people placing things again Mm -hmm. if we would go one up again one exit up which was like a mile and a half or one exit down a mile and a half we wouldn't even think about it or wouldn't even do dope and that was most stupidest thing ever i guess it's a mind thing for me i don't know but anyway so the point i became that i wanted that we did recovery i went through an outpatient service okay and i went there for a week but then i would just go get home after a week i would go get home high because people were shooting up in the back they were doing dope i had i had had facility people ask me to take drug tests for them and if you came up for Alcohol, they would say it was the hand sanitizer on uh, your hand yeah. or the hairspray that the poop, right, the women right. were using. Mm-hmm. Stupid, right? Mm-hmm. So I would just go get high, just fuck it. After three weeks, I did it. So this was like back in like October, November of last year, which was 2019. So I just kept doing what I was doing, you know what I'm saying? Doing what I did best, giving our truck to the dope dealer so he would give us dope. You know, like we would get him a hotel room. They would stay in our hotel room with us. You know, whatever. Um, and then we just started being like, okay, we're just gonna separate ourselves from everybody. So we yeah. started living in our car because we didn't have really any money. I was pawning. I I used to have rings all on my fingers. Mm-hmm. You see, there's only one there now. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to have, I used to be dripping in diamonds. I used to be dripping in bracelets. I'd pawn everything. Go back and get them. Pawn shoes. Pawn wallets. I never stole from anybody. I never hustled anybody. I never panhandled. Um, I always found a way to get my dope, whether for my personal possessions. Mm. Um, and I think that people who steal that's, that's neither here nor there, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Um, but well, that so wasn't let, something it, that we did.
0: Yeah. If I could, just before we, cause I, uh, I do want to get into the actual recovery part of this for sure, okay. but to, to rewind a bit. So you said that, I think you said in 2000, like you had started, you know, getting into meth and yeah was there any... it was
1: crank back in those days you know right. what I mean yeah
0: yeah yeah so was there any when you were younger even any drinking any like smoking weed or was it just like straight into the meth basically
1: no like um my brother-in-law my sisters sold like weed a lot but they sold like pills and other drugs and I sure. was around that my stepdad was an alcoholic which to me um my boyfriend still, every once in a while, will drink wine, and that isn't a trigger for him, you know. Mm-hmm. So, for me, this may sound bad on my part, but alcohol was never like what I would consider an addiction until like I went through recovery, if right, that makes right. sense, right? Yeah, no, because I grew up around it, yeah, I grew up around it, so it wasn't like my thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so and then, like, I know that, like, even my boyfriend being you know clean. Uh, drinking wine every once in a while does not make him want to go jump out and do like heroin or cocaine or anything like that. Yeah. So um, some people can do it. Some people can't. Um. But no, no, honestly, um, I wasn't a partier. I had my first kid when I was 14. I was on my own at 14 working three jobs. So I guess I never did think about that lifestyle.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's pretty incredible. And it's, I've got to ask, I mean, you are talking about, you know, cuz I'm I'm doing some math here and you're talking about <laughs> rings and bracelets and and shoes and this you know,
1: ring I, right here that I have on my hand still today, I would pawn it for 1500. Mm-hmm. And then I have another ring that I can't wear that usually not be on this finger that I would pawn for like 800. The only ring I didn't ever pawn was this one because my kids gave it to me cuz I lost another one. But I mean, I'm talking about like Pandora bracelets. Yeah. Tens and thousands probably okay.
0: Probably hundred thousand dollars worth of jewelry I sold. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I, For was, kinda, nothing. I, was For nothing. I was, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, and, and trust me when I was in treatment, you know, we did this, this assignment and it was like, we want you to draw what, <laughs> <laughs> we want you to draw what your addiction looked like. And I just threw the pawn <laughs> shop because that was basically where I, where I lived. I was at the pawn oh, yeah, shop yeah, yeah. every morning and uh but see I, I wasn't like you i would never go get the shit back i mean it was once it was pawned, it was it was just gone forever there you know? was
1: some stuff we wouldn't go back and get like um i had two pinky rings that were about the same and I, and I and i um a pandora brace i never did worry about it we got like 400 bucks for it yeah i mean there was certain things but this ring I kind of it was sentimental so i kind of made sure and then what was so bad is um one time I pawned rings that my daughter's grandma de- deceased grandmother had. Mm-hmm. I pawned them for like forty-five dollars, but I always, but I got them back. Mm-hmm. Um so there's certain rings that I almost lost this one. I ain't gonna lie to you. Yeah. I was in rehab when I almost lost this one. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Well, I'm I'm sure a lot of people listening and watching can relate to uh to pawning some stuff occasionally. Mm-hmm. But now you also, I mean, we can't go without mentioning, you know, you mentioned uh, Honey Boo Boo, which premiered in uh, August yes. 2012. I mean, I've just got to yeah. ask, like, because I watch, I mean, that just seemed like that that had to be, it was life-changing, right? I mean, that just had to be like yes. the craziest the craziest thing ever, right? Yes.
1: We started filming, actually, our very first day of filming was October the 12th, 2011. Okay. So I've been doing this for nine years. Okay, yeah. Um, So it was, it was life-changing. It started off with Alana doing mall pageants, and we did the Towers and Tears and TLC, mm-hmm. so they knew something about America. I always tell people, yes, it was, it was life-changing. I saved a lot of money. Actually, when I bought my house it was two years after Here Comes Honey Boo Boo stopped. And I still had honey boo boo money even when we started Mama Jean from not to Hot because I've been very frugal with my money.
0: Yeah.
1: But trust me, cocaine is not a poor man's drug. No, no it's not. Um, it's, it's a lot of money. Yeah. Um, but um, it was life changing. Um, we always say that we represent the crazy, dysfunctional side of America
0: <laughs> because it's shit
1: that you'd be doing in your household that you know you'd be doing because yeah. you sit there like, oh, my God. yeah, I've done that before. And I guess that's why our fans have supported us in our highs, our lows, mm. but I was going through emotional because everything that you see, I decided to let I wanted my personal life and my TV life to conglide, especially when I met Gina that I'm with now. Um, and all the emotional shit that you've seen unfold with Mama Jean from Not to Hot in the last couple of seasons, me going to rehab. Right, are right. following my journey now.
0: Yeah.
1: I wanted to keep it very real because we don't have a script. Mm-hmm. And life happens. Yeah. And I want people, if I can touch that one person, to say, okay, I've been there, done that. And you can overcome that outside of my celebrity status. Mm-hmm. And I can help somebody. I talk to people all the way from Scotland. I've helped a girl. She just got a thirty-month, a thirty-day chip because they're in COVID really bad, and yeah. she's been literally talking to me for thirty days. She started school in many and now she's got a thirty-day chip, that's which awesome. is amazing.
0: Yeah, amazing. Well, and that, and that's why I was really excited to have you on because again, I think that, um, and we'll talk about this a little bit more. But pe- people need to see that recovery is possible, right? And, yes, yes. Um, I, I, I'll just say thank you for taking the bullet for me not having to show my uh you know life on tv (laughs) because i'm glad there weren't cameras around when i was doing (laughs) what i was doing that's that's for sure uh Mm -hmm. but yeah so in in 2017 um like you said you returned to tv for uh mama june from not to hot where you made this incredible transformation right like
1: yes uh,
0: i mean absolutely uh
1: 300 pounds.
0: Yeah. 300 pounds. Exactly. Like jaw, jaw dropping. And, um, mm-hmm. I, I did want to ask, you know, so I watched a, uh, a clip that, that was recorded where you're going through an intake process at a rehab facility. I, I know you remember this. I'm not telling you anything new here. Okay. And, and um, and there's like a million questions that they're asking you, And you know, um you you were very honest, you know, you were very honest and open. And you um, you know, you were describing like how much money you were spending a day, you know, this like you said, you're having three or four
1: thousand a day. Yeah, like three or four
0: thousand dollars a day. And and so then when this guy, the the counselor doing the intake, he asks you, you know, do you feel like this has been affecting your job at all? And you say, no, I really don't think it is. And then a producer off screen says-
1: Mariah Herstry.
0: Okay, yeah. So Mariah says, hey, June, like, remember that's kind of why you haven't been on the show. So I guess what I want to ask is, yeah. is, is having been sober for a little while now, and I want to ask you about your process, getting into it and everything, but yeah, do you look at that a little bit differently? I'll just tell you that when I watched it, I, I thought about myself. And I was thinking, you know, I would have, I think I would have liked to have been able to look back and see like this lie that I'm telling, because I, <laughs> yeah, because, because I, you know, that was me. I was saying, man, it's not a problem. It's not, you know, even though things are I crazy. Fu-
1: functioning, addict.
0: Yeah. So, so. <laughs> Thinking back on that or looking back on that moment, like what what kind of goes through your head about that? I'm kind of curious.
1: Um, for a long time, yes, I was able to function at okay. a normal and an, an, an do production because when we sure. got busted yeah. in 2019, the world was shocked. Mm-hmm. My producers mm-hmm. knew what was going on, but they didn't. They kind of like brushed it up underneath the rug. And yeah. until it came to light in the media, that's when they were like, oh, no. Okay. They, they touched you with a plague, right? Right, but towards the end of that filming, there's an episode where we're at the club 10. office was doing an appearance for this gay, and I'm kind of in and out of it. I don't really remember that to be honest. You guys rushed to the hospital for real. I was in the hospital about 10 days after that. Um, I don't really remember that experience. Um, uh, I do remember the emotional toll, but but also in the same boat, me and my boyfriend were going through a lot of stuff in our relationship, so really kind of like the drugs enhance my, my emotional. So I do say mm. towards the end, yes. Now we've started backup production and I'm part of this season, season five. I'm coming back in 2021, but due to COVID, we've been not filming that as much as we I would like. Yeah. But um, you kind of go back to your old hustle. Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, I've just went back to my old hustle, of just making money any way we can. You know, not, not meaning selling drugs, but sure, sure. the hustle of knowing that you've got to make ends meet no matter what, because that money yeah. could be gone in an instant.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I want to rewind here. You get into treatment mm-hmm. and then, um, because I, I think at one point you had gone into treatment and, and you left, right? So you get into treatment. 12 hours,
1: 12, 12 hours. I was actually pushed by our production team because mm-hmm. they were like, if you don't go, we're going to call defects, which I actually did still call defects. I'm on like, yeah. um, whatever 11, 12 hours. I was pushed. I wasn't ready. Sure. I honestly believe that if you're not ready, you're going to leave. I believe that's yeah. why a lot of people aren't successful in treatment. I
0: agree. I agree.
1: Um, I just wasn't ready. So it was kind of funny. It's not really, it's not funny now, but yeah. it was at the time. Right. But um. so you get into treatment a,
0: again and then
1: mm. like
0: what, what's, What's different this time around? Like, what? Uh, explain that to me.
1: I was still reluctant to go into banyan. Um, mm. We was actually sitting in a trucker's chapel. I mean, at a truck stop. And this is this is how it got me into treatment. We was actually sitting in a trucker's chapel. We'd been in our truck, flew in for three days. You'd wake up every morning, you see this big old cross, and see the trucker chapels at these like truck stops, and you know. It was just kind of like, you know, whatever, you know, like it was just kind of like, it kind of like you were, I was sobering up, you know what I mean? My boyfriend, he was the one that actually mentioned about us going into treatment. I was so against it because I thought that he wanted me to go into inpatient treatment Mm because I was always against it Yeah. and just to get rid of me. So he was like, no, 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 if we don't, if we can't go in together, I don't want to do it. I don't, you know what I'm saying? I don't want, he wanted me to feel comfortable. A lot of people don't know that I'm blind. I don't like new places. And that's literally true. I'm totally blind in this eye, 5% only left in this eye. And so I said, okay. So we got a hold of our uh, producers, told them that we decided to go on a treatment. We had a treatment facility. They put it there. We had to wait a couple of days. And um, if that, that, it would have been even one more day more. I would have told Banyan to fuck off. Sorry if you can't cuss. Sorry, screw off. <laughs>
0: It's, it we'll um, allow it. We'll
1: allow it. Okay. <laughs> um, but anyway, um, I knew that I had $15,000 coming any day now. Mm-hmm. And I knew that if Banyan would have waited one more day, it's gone. I would have told him to off for a couple yeah. of days, got yeah. high as shit. Yeah. Um, but I didn't. We got on a plane from Georgia to West Palm. Then we went to um, Stewart, February of this year. Uh, February 1st, and we stayed there 25 days. Uh, We just needed some clean time, if that Mm. makes sense. Um, We worked the program, um, but as I feel, a lot of people, sometimes they get complacent in treatment facilities also, Mm -hmm. and that's kind of where we was at. We felt complacent. Mm. We knew that we had enough information, and and we felt confident within ourselves that we could do it. And we wanted to show everybody that we could do it now that we've had clean time and stuff. So after 25 days, we were dismissed. We completed the program. We didn't go AMA. Um, I stopped a lot of people from going AMA, though. And I realized at that point that I wanted to do it. I think the thing that made me stay in the treatment, honestly, is the people at Banyan. They're so loving, so caring, so... Even after we've left, they constantly are calling. I've actually been able to go back into the same facility I went into probably like six times now in the last 10 months just to speak. Uh, as an alumni, um, I went to the, play, the, the the Bayon in Boca Raton. We've got about five people so far into Banyan. Yeah, I've lost a friend um, that was actually my boyfriend's roommate there that actually was still working the program, going to a halfway house. Doing really good. had have been clean for about five months and Father's Day hit. He couldn't see his daughter in Ohio. A lot of shit was going on. He said F the program. Nobody could find him. He started to do the same amount of dope he was doing before and overdosed and passed away. Um, so now I just, I leave my Instagram open. I love giving back to people. Mm. I know that Sober Life has been out there for a while, but but we have did our own Sober Life thing. I've teamed up with people like yourself. I've teamed up with Banyan, Brandon Novak, a um, couple other people that I that I associate with that is celebrity and non-celebrity. Um, like I said, I talk to people from all over from Scotland and I love it. Yeah. Um, as you can see, I have my sober life. This has mm-hmm. sober life and on the back. It has serenity prayer. And then on the arm, it has my sober date. That's awesome. Um, I tell people that all the time. You can do it. And those people who are struggling with addiction, I guess I'm very lucky because out of our February, what I call our February gang, we all came in the same time. We always left at the same time. And out of 50 people in our February gang, as I like to call it, there's only four of us that have stayed sober, no relapses during this crazy ass COVID virus and are still saying that, hey, I'm still clean and sober. And my one thing to tell people is you can't This something that one of the techs told me at Banyan, and he's still very part of our life today. Um, you can't prove 10 years, you can't even prove three months or 30 days. You can only prove 24 hours. So if you can wake up and say, hey, today I'm gonna stay clean these next 24 hours, those 24 hours will start adding up to days, to weeks, to months. And if you can prove to somebody you're twenty 24 hours clean, that's all you need to worry about yeah. not worrying about if you're 15 years or 20 years clean yeah, or even yeah. three months.
0: Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. I, I recall, uh, you know, and, and just so awesome that that you've really decided to do this deal. I, I recall from the treatment center I went to, we had a couple deaths within like the first few months, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and and this was, this was several years, almost eight years back now, but um, so yeah, I mean, you know, and unfortunately that's like the things you've been describing, that's how this works. I am really hoping that's starting to change, you know, and, um, and it's great to hear that you had a, a really good experience in, um, in the treatment center that you went to. Mm-hmm. And I would like yeah. to think that, um, that that's, that's the type of support that, uh, most people are going to get when they're, like you said, when they're ready for the treatment, you know, cause I had heard a lot of this stuff before I had done outpatient treatment. And I just like, I would go, <laughs> I would get the medication that would just make me feel well. And then I'd get the hell out of there. You know, I just, exactly, I just, I just wasn't ready for it. So, you know, I, I want to ask, I mean, you'll be coming up on 10 months sober, like you said, pretty soon here. Mm-hmm. What do you feel like, maybe the, some of the bigger things that you've really struggled with early on ha, have been, and, and maybe this is more for the people that are early on in sobriety themselves, because I know they'd like to hear just how you've worked through some of this stuff.
1: Um, I mean, honestly, when I came out of treatment, the pandemic hit, yeah. um, I didn't have a lot of money. I knew that I needed to get my jewelry out of pawn. I know, I know there were certain things that I wanted to do. I knew I needed to go back home and take care of some issues. And I know I just didn't have the money. So I went back to those, you know, good old habits of uh, just hustling money, you know, making money, you know, working a job, whatever, and not making tons of money. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been able to, um, you know, the relationship with my kids, um, you know what I'm saying? Um, that's one thing that I struggled with, um, being able to reconnect with them and show them what I was doing in my program. And I guess kind of just showing my fans and people because my circle is small and because there has been so much support from the fans, I wanted to show them. But honestly, my biggest struggle is when the pandemic hit, we were trying to get into a place and had to go back to living in a hotel. So that triggered like not triggered, but like made me remember all the days being in a hotel and being fucked up and being high and sitting in front of that mirror for days upon days and getting what they call stuck. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was like, I just wanted to get out of that hotel and get into our own place. We now have a place, a two bedroom, two bath condo out here on Hutchinson Island in Jensen beach, Florida. I'm actually moving into a new place. Our car broke down. I don't have a lot of money still today. Um, This has been 10 months later. Just trying to build my brand back up, go back up on top. Yeah. But I was able to get a new car because our car broke down after seven years and get another new place. So I think that I'm in a good place in life. I think a lot of people um I have a very addictive personality. So my new addiction is rehab work and recovery work. So I've really when I put my mind to something, I really dive into that. Mm. My my thing I tell people is if you are struggling, find that one person, whether it be your friend, your family, or somebody even you might have met in rehab that you didn't talk to that much, but you wrote their number down. Pick, look at that book and text that person. That may be the person that saves your life. Hmm. Whenever that call needs to be made that nobody else picks up the phone, but that one person.
0: Yeah.
1: I really believe in that because I do, we do have a small circle that we still speak to in a group message, at least a couple of times a week, just to check in to make sure everybody's doing good even if they're not, you know,
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I truly
1: believe that.
0: Yeah. Well, and, and I need to mention to our listeners that, um, you actually reached out to us, which, which yes. I, which I really love because, um, you know, like you said, you don't have years and years yet. Um, only I'm with you you know, one day at a time today, today is what matters. Absolutely. And mm-hmm. what I feel like is the most important thing um, and has done, I mean, I can't even describe how much for my recovery and my life is really thinking about others. And, and so you were just very adamant, yes. like, hey, if there's anything I can ever do, how much do you think that like having that mindset and that approach of like, hey, I, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, carry the message, I'm going to help others how I can, like, how much do you think that that, that is helping you early on in recovery? And, and I'm going to say even maybe helping you not think so much about like all the stuff you used to have, because I, I know I could get hooked yeah, yeah. on that for sure.
1: Yeah. yeah. Um, I think 100. I think it has helped me stay accountable. One, because a lot of people reach out to me. I spend 12 to 14 hours a day on my Instagram, talking to family that are, have, have somebody who's struggling, that's going through it, going through, uh, trying. they're trying to get them into hell. They're trying, they don't know how to do it trying to help them the best way I can. People who can't go into meetings right now, try to reach out to me. Um, And so I think that for me, that has helped out a lot that people entrust me and have followed my journey, which I didn't realize. And I want to use my platform as much as I can. I'm not perfect by no means. No, I'm not. I'm not, but this counts money crazy. I told the girl my alumni that I actually met Alicia with Banyan the very first day I went in, I told her, I said, look, I said, I feel like I'm being greedy. She says, why? I said, because I feel like I'm getting more from somebody I'm talking to than I'm giving to them. Mm-hmm. And she says, no, she says, that's the way I feel sometimes And she's five years. Cause I can like talking to you. I feel high and I'm not, I'm not doing anything. I get it. Yeah. Um, and it's just talking and being able to, open up with somebody is just amazing for me. And it gives me the high that drugs never did be able to give it before. Hmm.
0: I've got to ask, you know, because look, I'm, I'm no TV star. I didn't, you know, have any hit show or, or anything like that. Um, But what I've definitely come to feel in my own life is that, you know, all these things that I, that I went through that happened to me, that I did all these mistakes that I made that really, that I'm grateful for all that stuff because it led Mm -hmm. me to where I am now. Have you started to have that, that type of thinking at all? Like just knowing how many people you're talking to, how many Mm -hmm. people you could be helping and, and just kind of maybe thinking into the future about, you know, what this all could, could kind of mean at the end of the day.
1: Yes. uh, My ultimate goal is I've only got two more months and I can go work in a rehab facility. That's my major thing. But I've also one day want to open up a sober living or a sober house.
0: And, and you said you've been really open on, on Instagram, on social Very. media. Um, why did you feel it was important to be, to be open about this? I know you said that like, you know, with the show and with life, you wanted to show everyone But you know, I think still there might be some people that are on reality TV or, or whatever that are showing parts of their life, but still might protect, this part like why why talk about your recovery why share that with people
1: um because for nine years we have like i said our fans have been at our highs i've been at our lows back up to our highs back to our lows and in between and they've always been supportive so we're real mm. we are real we don't try to hide behind silver screens and leave that part of our life that's why i guess i've showed my recovery journey to everybody
0: now also prior to our interview Uh, You know, I reached out to our listeners and followers and asked if they had any, you know, sobriety related questions for you. You touched on it earlier, Um, but, you know, really the the main thing that people were asking more specifically, some moms uh, were reaching out, um, kind of mentioning strained relationships with kids, um, trying, trying to repair some of that And, Mm -hmm. and really what they were wanting to know about. And, and again, you mentioned this a second ago is you know, how your relationship with the girls is now that you're sober. And unfortunately
1: that's something I can't talk about because okay. it, it is going into the show. You have to tune in for 2021 to see all, all that. <laughs> I,
0: I got, you know, I got to try to extract the goods, right? I got to try to get it out. I'm of sorry, here, right?
1: I'm sorry, honey, bunch. you will cost me a lot of money. <laughs> but trust I, me, I, I
0: mom,
1: won't do mom, that. Mom, I,
0: yeah. I won't mom, mess with exactly your money.
1: As I, I can say is I, I can relate with the strained relationships. It's one day at a time. Some days, one minute at a time. And it does work its way out, but it just takes a little bit of time. And you have to work on their time level um, yeah. since, because they was working on your time level and your addiction. So now in your sobriety, you got to work on the kids and family's time level. Mm. That's all I can tell about that.
0: that. That makes That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. That makes sense to me. Now you mentioned, uh, we've, we've talked about, uh, you know, you just trying to get back as much as possible. Can you tell us a little bit specifically about what your recovery looks like today? Like what, what are you doing um, on on a daily basis, like for your recovery? What does that look like?
1: Um, Daily basis, I wake up. um, This may sound crazy because it like helps my recovery more than you would ever know. But my first thing is, is I'll say good morning, I love you to my boyfriend. Um, I'll be like, damn, I can wake up and not have to worry about the drug. Um, to my second, about the third time I do after you're know, doing what you do after you wake up, is um, I hit my phone. Literally, I'm on Instagram, <laughs> um, seeing who needs my help, and that is me being. I always say that it was I was selfish in my addiction but I'm also selfish in my recovery because giving back to someone else gives so much more to myself than I'm giving to anybody out there.
0: Hmm. Yeah.
1: And that's what, I mean, for me, being able to help somebody else is helping my recovery.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, I was told early on that it's not a self selfish program. It's a self Program, yes. you know, and and I think uh, I think what you just described fits with that. You know, I, w- I want to ask you before we wrap up. I think you've given a, a few great pieces of advice, but if there's maybe a piece of advice that you'd like to share with the sober nation, maybe for someone that's new out there, someone that's listening to this and struggling, someone that really can relate to the story that that you told. Um, and, and is just maybe needing some some words of wisdom from someone that's been through it. Is there any advice mm-hmm. you'd like to share for them?
1: Um, just like I said before, you know, one day at a time, you can only wake up and say, Hey, this 24 hours, I'm gonna stay clean. Um, you know, reach out to that one person that you know that's not going to judge you. Um, it may not be your family, it may not be your friends, or maybe somebody you went to rehab with, maybe somebody you met after you went. Um, and just know that you are you, and if you don't want to change yourself, you're the only person is able to change yourself, if that makes sense, mm-hmm. and during the submit of the COVID virus, try to do things that you love to do before your addiction, or that you would like to start doing, um, because I think that is where a lot of people are struggling with right now, with the COVID, um, yeah. being indoors, and not being able to um, give back as much as you can in your recovery. Um, I think that's a huge thing for myself. Um, as much as I can give back, I'd love to, um, and just live every day the fullest and know that you're clean for today. And today, you know what I'm saying? I woke up clean. I'm going to bed clean.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's all a great advice. And I really like what you mentioned about, finding passions right whether they're they're old passions or or something new that you want to do um yeah because i i think that that fits into what what i wanted out of sobriety and and that's really to be able to enjoy life right mm. and and have a happy life well that's that's great advice june um i just want to wish you the best uh in your recovery and and i thank you so much for coming on the show Uh, You can connect with June on Instagram, at Mama June. Thanks again for coming on the show.
1: Thank you so much. Be sure to
0: check out the show notes for all the info from today's episode. Sober Nation FM is brought to you by Sobriety Engine. Sobriety Engine is a free online community of men and women supporting each other in their recovery. Visit SobrietyEngine.com to join today. This show is also brought to you by Recover Health. If you're ready to get fit and start living a healthier lifestyle while supporting your sobriety, you can learn more about having me as your own personal fitness and nutrition coach at rcvrhealth.com. And again, whether you're listening to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or watching on YouTube, please share this with your friends, follow, subscribe, and leave us a review. Nation, thanks for tuning in, and I'll see you next time.